0: Welcome to the Better Business Podcast, a series for those business owner operators who want to create a better business. Here are your hosts, Chris and Mark.
1: Afternoon, Chris. Welcome to the Better Business Podcast.
0: Um, Good afternoon, Mark.
1: And I'm trusting you're well. Yeah, pretty good today. Yeah, good coaching week. Uh,
0: Have had a good coaching week. Yes. Uh, Still, second week of school holiday, so it's been a mix of coaching and juggling kids, as many many business owners out there would attest to.
1: Yeah, that can be a bit testing at times, can't it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, but you get through it.
1: You do. You do. You do. You do. Um, I was. How are you faring? I'm faring pretty well. look after my granddaughter half a day a week um, um, just makes me realise how difficult it can be when both parents are working as in not me, my daughter and her partner. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a small hiccup in the system it can complicate things just a tad.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know that very well.
1: Well, Chris, I was thinking the other day about um, a very pivotal framework, and it's more than a framework. It's uh, It's a fundamental thing. It's called a stages model. I was thinking about this stages model in relation to what we do, mm. and its impact on business owner op- operators when you reel it out.
0: What was the What was the situation that you that got you thinking about it?
1: I'll tell you exactly what that situation was, and it's something else we've discussed too. I was talking to someone who deals with a lot of startups, mm. and you and I both know energetically how startups are and how in fact hard they are to coach and I was overlaying this on this framework in fact how startups behave and I said to this person look both myself and my colleague in Melbourne being you would coach a startup but it has to be a really special circumstance and there have to be a lot of guidelines in place for this to happen mostly we don't do it for the reason that they're really hard to coach and then that got me into a conversation around the whole stages model yeah and how what, it works what was the main,
0: look, be interested in one of the main reasons around why they're hard to coach because I mean, um, energetically what? they're, they're oh. very hard to coach
1: they are energetically they're very hard to coach and that's pretty much it that their whole life mm. is it's none, not run specifically by clarity of thought. It's run by complete franticness of energy, which I imagine we'll get to in a minute. But I was saying to this person, look, they're incredibly frantic. They won't do what you mutually agree on that they should do. They go all over the place. They're very hard to corral because simply they are just frantic.
0: And you're usually driven by uh, you know, a specific idea or, or enthusiasm that they've got for a particular product or service. They are driven by that, um, and if you question
1: that idea about their product or service, that can elicit a really interesting response because they can't see anything but that idea or that product or that service. (laughs) And I did did say to this person, yeah, we would do it or I would do it, and maybe, and you'd be a maybe, I'm pretty sure, but I've done a couple in the past and one ended well and one didn't end quite so well. so I thought it would be really good if you and I had a chat about this yeah. particular framework and the fact that it deals, it's unique in that it deals with feelings, the way a business owner operator is feeling at a given point in time.
0: Yeah, good point. And reflecting on on just as you were telling that story then, I, I, re, I recall that um, a situation that I had on some recent travels over into the US and I was at a... Um, a bar one night, talking to just just shooting the breeze with a guy at the bar that I met there. Um, it was in Hollywood, so of course, everyone you meet in in Hollywood is either a writer or an actor um, that's just waiting for that big break. Um, and and I asked this person, he's a young guy, and I just said, "Oh, you so say you're a writer? Yes, yeah, I'm writing." And I said, well, "Are you working on anything at the moment?" And he started talking about this idea that he had for a movie that he's working on. And and he said they nearly, nearly got through to the end. And I, and I'm listening to this whole story and I'm so, and I just said to myself, I'm going, as he was telling me this bit, this bit, this bit, and then this happens and this happens. And I said, this sounds exactly like one of the movies I saw when I was a kid in the eighties. And he gave me this blank look on his face. And I said, have you, have you ever heard of this particular movie? And he, he sort of said well no and I said I oh, hang, hang on for just one moment and I got my my friend one of my travel companions and I said <laughs> I said listen to this movie this this guy's uh, writing and uh, and ha- have a listen to what it's about and he told him he said oh well, that sounds exactly like that movie yeah are you remaking it and the look on this this guy's face was just white and I said surely you've you've heard of this movie and all this sort of stuff and it just reminded me what you said there about um, you know, when you get someone in that startup phase of their career or, or as part of their business um, and you question the thing that they're the most passionate about, you can get a very interesting response. And I said, look, you, you might want to ask around Hollywood or start telling this story to a lot more people because I don't want you to go down a path that, that looks like an absolute remake if you're not intending it to, because everyone's going to compare your story to this movie that I've seen. and uh, And it's a pretty popular movie. So Uh, you know there you have it but it was it was quite funny just reminded me then of your story Uh, but this stages model so might uh, I just interrupt you there
1: for one second to say ordinarily ordinarily when you and I do this it's a very visual thing
0: yeah
1: but we're going to do it you and I are going to do it without the visuals but I'm I'm convinced that we can and make it make sense that's the first thing the second thing is re what you were just saying if you bump into a startup or a guy that's got a script for a movie in his head, Mm. let's just now shift that to a business. So if you meet a business owner who's got a brand new idea for business, they carry on that way the entire way through the coaching about being absolutely wedded to to their business idea. And a good one will question what they're doing or or one that's slightly not necessarily a good one but one that's enlightened and a lot of them just won't. And if you question them on it, it, it's like you could have said the worst thing imaginable.
0: Yeah. I'm not paying you to question me, I'm yeah. paying you to
1: agree with me. <laughs> yes, exactly, which is the opposite of the coaching methodology.
0: Yeah, and make it work, damn it. Yeah, get um, me money now. That's right, yeah. Incom- so, so if we if we look at this thing in a broader scale, so the Stages model, as you said there, is is something that you and I have used and, and many other coaches use. And realistically, the one that you and I use is, is a version of um, a typical life cycle model that, that uh, you would see in in a marketing presentation or a product life cycle presentation or the myriad of um, business growth and and expansion cycle models that that you would see through any um any studies or business studies or whatnot um, but you did mention something that that you and I um, use and it is the overlay of the emotional decision making context um, to the commercial context of the time so. You mentioned things before, like uh, uh, startup businesses have, th- have this overriding or pervading feeling of, of franticness and, and some anxiety and some excitement and, and all this sort of stuff that comes into the model or in, into the uh, into being. And th- those emotions have, have real um, impacts on how decisions get made in that, in that startup phase of a business.
1: I'm really Absolutely. glad you mentioned that because yeah. often before I've drawn this out when I'm describing it to someone and I say it deals with feelings, the next question is, why would I be interested in feelings in relation to my business? And I think it's worth you reiter- reiterating that point again.
0: Well, the, the the simple answer I give there is to say, and, and I do this every every time that I'm talking about um business cycles and setting expectations for um what business owners and and employees will confront through various stages of their uh, business cycle over whether it's a short period or a long um, you know many years i always reiterate this exact point that you're alluding to here which is the reason why feelings matter is if you can imagine you've got a um a rental property And you have to make a decision to change the flooring. You know, the carpet's uh, worn through, uh, tenants, or it's a holiday home that gets rented out, whatever it is, you need to replace the carpet. Um, What's the decision making context for that rental property that you now make that decision based on to replace the flooring? Cheap and fast. It's usually cheap, fast, durable. um, the, the, The color doesn't necessarily matter, the actual feel doesn't matter. The, it, does, it doesn't necessarily have to match anything as long as there, there is a return on investment. I, I put it in and I can maximise my return on investment by renting that property out to as many people until I need to replace it again.
1: Would it be fair to say, Chris, that there's not a lot of emotional involvement in that particular purchase?
0: No, it's, it's 100% return on investment. So yep. when, when I do this in, in workshops or when I set the scene for business owners to say that why feelings matter, is I always give them that example because most people can identify with it. They've either rented a home or they might have their families or themselves might have some sort of rental property that they have made these decisions for. Then I ask them, imagine now you have to make that same decision for your own house. What's the decision making context like then? And all these other factors come into play. It's got to feel good. It's got to look good. It has to feel good when you when you walk on it with bare feet. Some people, you know, put a lot of uh, Stocking that when I get out of bed in the morning, I want it to something to feel nice under my feet. It has to impress my friends. It has to uh, match the period of the home. It has to, all, all these other things come into play, and and then you can extrapolate it a little bit where where you um you say that if you've ever done this in the past, you you'll find that often other decisions to upgrade certain things around the house then get made off the back of replacing some flooring. So all of a sudden, a decision to replace some flooring turns into a much more expensive decision to, to get the whole feel right. And when when then you say this to them and, and they become aware of it, uh, you say, what's the context here? And they say, well, one one context for the investment home is return on investment. The context for our own home is, is, is feeling. And the way they want to feel dictates the way they make the decision and then I ask when you are in your business do you make more decisions based on how you would for an investment property or for your own house and it's it's normally nine out of ten or at least 80% of the room that will say we make it based on how we would make decisions for our own home and then that's when I say when that's why feelings matter you will make decisions in your business based on how you're feeling.
1: I think that's actually a wonderful metaphor and analogy for this whole thing. Actually, it, yeah. and that it, that is how it plays out. I add sometimes that little tiny bit to the end of that, which um, is really what you're saying. But I simply say at the end of my explanation, feelings have commercial value in your business. Yeah, hundred percent commercial. Right? There's commercial relevance.
0: And so, um, and so, what we what we talk about then when we start looking at this this framework that we use is that. It, it's it's one of those ones that not only maps the commercial stages of your business, w- w- of which there are there are five. There's your startup phase, which you mentioned earlier on. There's a there's a, a growth or an accelerated growth phase. Then there's uh, three phases that come out of what we call the second brick wall, which are advanced growth, plateau, or decline. Okay, so those phases there uh, you don't do all three at once. It's it's a choice of one of those. You can choose to go into a a higher uh, advanced growth business um, model, you can choose to to plateau and and stay relatively steady, and you can choose to decline. And they're all legitimate choices.
1: Interesting on the plateau, and I'll come back to the plateau actually, because we'll get in front of ourselves on this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, What I was thinking is, why don't we walk through it from, if you imagine a line across a page running horizontally, going left to right we're going to start at the left hand end and that's about as much of the visual as i think we need at startup phase why don't we walk through it sequentially um starting maybe at startup what do you think
0: well we can have this this conversation a number of ways we can try and get people to draw a picture or we can um, use the the stories and the metaphors to get them to attach to to
1: Second one, stories yeah, and metaphors. I think it's
0: going to be easier, that one. Yeah, I
1: think so, totally.
0: Um, so well, if you take that startup uh, discussion that, that you had before and if anyone can think about when they started up in business, I don't know about you, but every time I ask someone to hark back to the day they opened the doors of their business or signed um, their um, business registration or the, or the company registration uh, paperwork with, with ASIC, um, I always ask, how did you feel? And one word comes back, and that's excited. I felt excited.
1: That's exactly true. Um, often, well, I actually struck this in reality where I was at a dinner party with someone who'd just started up a business, and there was eight people around the dinner table, and it was a wide ranging conversation. And every time it came back to that person, they'd talk about their business startup the conversation move off. It could be football. It could be anything. Come back to that person. They talk about their business startup. Yeah. Conversation go around the table again. Come back to that person. <laughs> business startup. And that's exactly what they like. They get really frantic and fairly, uh, yeah, probably a tad obsessive about it.
0: Yeah, but but it's usually born out of
1: excitement. It's born yeah. out of it's born out of good energy though. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So
0: um. So mm-hmm. we start up, and, and as we we're going to say before, you know, if there are emotional stages that go with the startup phase, um, n- not necessarily in order, but, but just in the mix of that franticness, there are, there are feelings of excitement. There are feelings of anxiety, um, of confidence. Um, and, and I often say startup businesses will, or startup business owners, will actually experience all of those in the one day.
1: Yeah, and, and a small modicum of abject fear.
0: Yes, Yep. Yeah, yep, yeah. and I, I, I believe that you know one of the things that, that I will talk to owners about that, that are in that startup phase is that that fear um, is often, I guess, abated by the fact that you can walk away from a startup up to a certain point without it impacting too heavily uh, financially. So what you tend to find is that we lead up to this period of, in, of, of having a, a major investment in our business, mm-hmm. whether that comes externally from, uh, you'll see a lot of startups these days, they're always pitching for um, uh, venture capitalists and, and uh, funding to come out, funding,
1: business, blah, blah, blah. blah. All,
0: all that sort of stuff. Uh, or that they might just go to the bank to get a loan or they might put their house up a collateral or assets or whatever it is that, that gives them some sort of equity in a loan to invest in things that they need. They might need extra staff, they may need premises, they may need uh, some sort of technology system. What, whatever, it, um, whatever that investment is, it's usually too big to walk away from without owing someone some money.
1: So just before that investment, um, mm. there's a period of will I or won't I make the yes. investment. Uh, and that, that's what we call the first brick wall.
0: Yeah, Look, and, and, and that investment happens
1: in that first brick wall as well. Yeah. It's, will I, won't I, will I, won't I, will I, won't I. I will, I will make an investment. I'll pull out my checkbook or I'll go to the bank. I'll do whatever.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the uh, business owners that I've worked with over the years, I always I like to ask them to say, well, what was it that gave you um, the confidence to, to make that investment? And often their story is, um, well, I just I started to sign up some business that looked like it was going to be longer term. I started to get some really good feedback from the clients that I was working with. I started to uh, just feel differently, and that feeling was that confidence. So what happens is this anxiety and this excitement and this franticness starts smoothing out into some confidence, where people people begin to believe in in the idea that they've actually got something of value, mm-hmm. and then they say, okay, for me now to take this to the next level, I need to do. X, y, Z. I need to go, like we said, get some staff, get some premises, get some uh, systems, wh- whatever that investment looks like, get, bring on some partners, wh- whatever that looks like, it, it becomes an investment in the business. And then that, that's when we say pushes us through to, to this next phase of the business where we get to start to get onto, the, onto a growth plane.
1: There's a little period before that growth, which you have probably experienced and I have, we talked about frantic, frantic before that brick wall where they make the investment. Now they've made the investment and I've seen some businesses get truly frantic now because they've actually shelled out money.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because they they owe someone something.
1: Yeah, and they go, God, I really want this to work now. I need to know everything about how this works and I just need to know everything in the universe that's going to make this work. Yeah. And that's quite an interesting phase. It's good frantic again, but it's very frantic.
0: So if I can take listeners on a little bit of a mental sort of gymnastics here... um, I always like to run this uh, analogy through this story here, and 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 ask people just to keep it in mind for when we get a little bit down the further further in the track in this conversation. Is that exactly what you're describing there? I always describe this first startup phase of a business as the business owners got it that that game twister. They've got the twister mat, and they have a hand. And I'm a not foot. sure where we're going here, Pez. I'm... Yeah. Well, I don't know where you went there. I was just talking about Twister. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So, you know, I'll I'll leave the the rest of that to your adult dinner parties that you're referring to before. Um, and I always say that your business at that point is is like the Twister mat, and you have your hand and your foot on everything in the business. You can touch, and and get involved in everything because uh, you feel like it's your need. As you get into this growth phase after your investment, what tends to happen is you start letting go of some of that control and some of that responsibility to other people in your business. Do you, a um, question for you
1: right there? Yep. Do you think all business owners let go at
0: that stage? Not right at that stage, no. But uh, well, as, i, I ask you the question in a different
1: way, because um, I have struck this where they don't let go.
0: No. So, they don't
1: let go of things they should let go of.
0: Well, well and this is again, it, which, why it gets back to the, I guess, the emotional state of the business is because when, when things are tight and anxious, um, human nature is, says that the, the leaders then get involved in everything. Yep. yep. When, and that's that startup phase. As things start to loosen, as we talk about into the growth phase where uh, better revenue, better profitability, um, more time, more comfort, more, you know, sometimes we refer to this as, as a good times period in the business where we'll have a sustained period of, of, of growth. Of uh, good, good profitability. Of um, you know, feeling like there's there's time for our whether clients that we work with or channels that we sell through. There's, there seems to be a, a fair bit of time for everything, and and it's just that feeling where you're just in a good good groove. Yeah. Yeah. So that good groove will often mask the idea that mask the um, uh, proclivities of, of of leaders or or owners of business whether they're control freaks or not. <laughs> they may still control everything, but because there's a different feeling in the business, they may give the impression that they're letting go of full control.
1: Yeah, there's space in the business at that stage, isn't there? Yeah,
0: that's right. There's space there's in the business. Breathe. They'll get people to do things, and whilst it's feeling good, we're happy for them to do it. Yep. Okay. As we get through, and this is just a natural cycle. So this is not, as I say to everyone, um, if, if I've explained this particular framework Ten thousand times to a hundred thousand people. No one's ever really questioned the the flow here. (laughs) I'll
1: ask you this. I'm glad you raised that because sometimes I I think you've experienced this too, because we've talked about it. Sometimes you get people who want to question it, either now or when we get further into explaining the model.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you have a, a response to that? When someone says, "Oh, well, you know, how do we, how do we know this is real? How do we know this is true? Where well, where'd you get it from?" Yeah.
0: So the people that question it are the ones that we're still talking about that have been in the startup or the growth phase. Yeah. The I, ones that never question it are the ones that get past this phase where, we, where we're going to go next with this conversation. Where I've just, I started working with a business, and it was someone that I'd spoken to quite some time ago, and and we, we were just talking, you know, probably six or seven years ago and he was asking me some questions and i said oh look how about i draw this out because uh, i'll i'll just show you what what i know about what's coming up for you next and and it was a good conversation we had a bit of a you know a few laughs it was probably just over a beer somewhere in a pub and and we we just you know i I thought nothing further of it lo and behold a few years later the phone rings and he says hey Remember now. Remember when we got together, you know, x amount of years ago, and you you got out your you know you got out your bloody texts and started drawing me this this uh, drawing, and I said yeah, and I, I couldn't really remember it. I said what did I draw? And he said oh I would had a couple of brick walls on it and a line. I go ah, and he goes yeah. Well everything you said then is is happening to me now, so that's why we need to talk.
1: Very good example. I sometimes say to people who want to really question it at length, and particularly if there's a number of people in the room. I simply say it's not my job to justify the model. I know it works because we've done it to—if we've done it to five thousand people, we've explained it to ten thousand people, and mostly heads nod. And so, if I have to justify the model, possibly it's not going to work for you.
0: Yeah. Or you could say, "Do do you have a different model in? uh, You know, do you have a different framework or a different idea in mind?" And And then they'll usually explain something that they're hugely passionate about. Yes. "Good, Good. Just go use that. (laughs) <laughs> I don't care.
1: No, I don't care. <laughs> exactly, I don't care. So yeah. we're, in, we're in growth phase. So I'll, I'll just do a minor recap now. We yeah. talked about start-up. Yep. We've talked about the first brick wall and the need to invest in some form or other. We've yeah. talked about the little bit of frantic that happens on the other side of that first brick wall. And now we're in growth. And this is a good feeling. The space in the business. Everyone's doing what they should do pretty much, Lee. And there's generally positive energy in the business. What yeah,
0: correct. Out? And and I always say that um, that little franticness after that investment period um, is the best example that um, that necessity is the mother of invention. In that humans will, when when they absolutely need to make something work, they generally are good at doing it. And uh, that that investment phase is is a representation of, of nothing else but commitment. I'm, yeah. now, I'm now committed to my business. And when you make that commitment, you you generally generally make it work mm mm-hmm. well, come from the right place so now we're in good times what comes next is a sustained period of, of what we would refer to at some point in the future of the good old days of our business and that leads us to a period where that we would describe as as a payback period where On that payback John, period uh, it's a very precise
1: period um, is it? Have you experienced that it's a long period or a
0: very brief period? It's kind of a baited question in a way. Uh, both, um, but it finishes briefly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it, it finishes abruptly. Abruptly, yeah. yeah.
1: Perfect answer because that's exactly. exactly what I have experienced too. It's abrupt and brutal finish.
0: Have you got a good example of, of uh, a business owner or a business that you've worked with in, in payback?
1: I have got a great example. It's not mine, but it was a, from one of our previous colleagues.
0: Yeah.
1: Whose client...
0: What was going on in the business?
1: Ah, oh, they hit this payback period. They hit this exact period. And he'd always dreamt of buying one of those huge uh, kind of pickup trucks that Americans drive. Oh, you, know, you could
0: be F F-350 or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. You could just about park a bulldozer in the back. Yep. And it might have been branded Harley-Davidson. I can't remember. Anyway, um, This is how this works. This is short and brutal. So they dreamed about this for years and it happened and they got the money and they went out and bought the truck and all the way out to buying the truck to the car, yeah, they're going, oh, great, great, great. Bought the truck, got in the truck, drove it home and started to feel, is this all there is? (laughs) And it was that quick and that brutal.
0: Yeah, so so it was almost like the buyer's remorse or or even just the... Okay, so is is this yeah is this what it all means? Did we work that hard and take all that risk and all that all that uh, pressure just to buy this truck? Exactly.
1: Um, what have you? What have, uh in terms of payback? What's one of your client experience?
0: Well, well there's some. You know, the payback periods are, are generally really positive periods. In- they period. are hugely positive periods. And and usually what happens is that when we when we set out back in as a startup on that day one. Um, vision if you like it might not be a clearly articulated vision but we'll we will always have something in mind um, when we start a business and it might be to make more money than i used to make it might be to make more money than my mates or my dad or my previous boss who thought i was no good um you'd be surprised how many how many organizations start out of spite it's yeah one of
1: amazing one of the spite ones i've come across quite often is i can do it better than where i was previously working yeah I, I can do it a lot better than where I yeah. was working before.
0: Well, sometimes
1: that's not spite though. So the, no it is actually you're correct it's a mixture of spite and it, it, and generally they sometimes do do it better.
0: Yeah they may be they may be quite purposeful in in that uh, pursuit yeah. but there's always the uh, sticking it up the old boss or or doing something where someone thought I wasn't as good as what I could have been or uh, they, I was felt like I was played too small, or whatever it was. Usually, a lot of victim sort of language comes out there, and and lo and behold, we start businesses. But that's beside the point. What happens is we, we'll have something in mind. Whatever we have in mind at that point, generally dictates what this payback period is going to look like for us. So, if if it's I always I often describe it as as like one or two years out of the box, where you make way more money or more profit than what you've made in the previous years, like, you know, way more. You might just have this, um, you know, sign a, a, an amazing contract with someone, like a, a supply agreement. You may just get all your ducks in a row. The, or factors outside of your control um, uh, influence a, a huge uplift in your business that, that, um, for example, um, I've worked with a number of businesses that have had, like, significant weather events, have... have um, uh, allowed their businesses that that may be in repair in uh, repair industries or um, uh, insurance repairers and things like that, where where all of a sudden their businesses have gone from you know good good sound businesses to to much much bigger businesses as as if overnight flourishing so, yeah. So there's all um, these all these factors that can come into play around. Um, what this payback period looks like. It's what you do with it when it happens that can often dictate <laughs> whether it ends as abruptly as, as what it did for your friends who bought the truck or or for other people that I worked with that um, were just lamenting one day they where they said, you know, I had this dream of, of turning over a million dollars when I started this business. Now I need a million dollars just to keep the doors open. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's that's usually because of how we've spent the money during this period. Yes. I often sometimes give the example too that payback can
1: be broken into two broad categories. One is numeric and one is softer issues. Yes. So the numeric ones are more money, measurable things, more money. I want to buy a large boat. I want to do-do-do-do. Yes. That is. And the softer ones are I will spend more time with my wife. I'll spend more time with my kids. I'll take days off. You know, I'll quit the office at lunchtime on Friday
0: or Thursday afternoon. Yep, pay down some loans. Pay down um, some loans, and you know, or the th- things like that that have uh, more of a, I guess, that that um, more conservative approach to to you know people that aren't mater- necessarily materialistic.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll go down a yeah. softer. I'll, yep. go to, I'll go to Europe with my wife. Or, yeah. You know, two months.
0: Two businesses I worked with very distinctly said, "Well, now we can actually, you know, set up some um, uh, loan mechanisms for staff to buy into the business." That's, and that's a lovely thing. You know, so there, there's, there's different arrangements that can happen yeah. all through this period, but the upshot of all this is that it, it is quite a, a heightened, um, you know, euphoric feeling around around the business at the time. It feels like um, you're bulletproof. It feels like you've oh, done something. I think
1: you raised that, that bulletproof because I've met a few businesses, and I imagine you have met quite a few businesses in payback, and they think they want coaching, but because they're feeling very bulletproof, it can be really interesting uh, getting to coach them. Yeah. Because they just go, well, why would I? Um, this is bloody fantastic. I've, you know, I'm in Nirvana. Yeah. Why do I, why do I have coaching? And it, it's they just have a really interesting view of the world at that point in time.
0: Well, it's and what's course, really interesting is when you're coaching a business pre-payback and then they go into payback Yep. Yeah, and watching the behavior change in the business.
1: <laughs> and that can yeah. be sometimes.
0: We don't need coaching for a while now. Yeah, we always used to use the example of, you know, <laughs> as you're coming out of a investment phase in your business, you, you tend to buy some, um, I mean, this is back in the days that you know some of our millennials that potentially listen to this podcast might not ever understand, but when computers were really expensive and they weren't as as throwaways what they are now. Um, you know, we always used to have this joke that uh, through startup and, and investment, you, you would typically buy the compu- whatever computer you would get the job done. Then through good times, you, you might say, okay, let's, let's go through the catalogue and let's do it as a team and let's all buy a new laptop. And then we'd always just joke that it says, in payback, uh, if, if I need a new computer, and by the way, why don't you go and get yourself one and why don't you get, get a couple of spares because we'll probably employ some people in a couple of weeks and we're going to need them then. And it's like just all this the decision-making of, uh, um, I always think of the scene in The Simpsons when Monty Burns and Smithers are having a money fight. Oh, yeah. well, they're be. just pulling out wads of money and throwing them at each other, and you know, saying it's a it's a money fight. So, um, it, payback can be a time when some of that money gets spent spent quite frivolously, um, but it's based on that feeling, bulletproof,
1: bulletproof, totally bulletproof.
0: And we had um, our, myself and a colleague uh, used to work with a financial planning business, and that we'd worked with them for probably about uh, two years, and and probably caught them. At the start of their good times period and they were moving into payback and the owner of the business was definitely moving into payback because um, one of the points we should make here is that uh, the owners of the business will always be a stage or two ahead emotionally from where the body of the staff generally is, if you like, an aggregate feeling of the business, if you like. So I think that point
1: is really worth remembering the entire way through this.
0: Yes. Yeah, so what we were finding was that the owner had moved well and truly into a payback period uh, whilst the rest of the business was still um, coming to terms with getting, getting some processes right and getting some staffing levels right and all, all those um, more, uh, if you like, mundane things in, in this sort of early early good times um, post-investment phase of the business. And, and often we would actually turn up for sessions uh, with the owner and the PA would have this blank look on her face and say, oh, oh, that's right. Um, uh, let me just make a call. And then, he, <laughs> of course, forgotten, completely disregarded or forgotten that, that the meeting was on. And uh, and often uh, on a couple of occasions, he, then he would get on the phone all laughing, oh, sorry, guys, you know. Uh, and, and where are you, mate? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm down at Warnborough watching my horse run or I'm out on my boat in the middle of Port Phillip Bay or... <laughs> and we, we, we would laugh because mean we, we would know where, where he was emotionally, and, and you don't you don't want to knock people off that cloud. So it, it's you one don't
1: of those, want to knock people off that cloud, but you do know what's coming next, don't you? But
0: and this is the thing. So we did have to paint the picture of reality because yeah. we just kept saying, but these are the, your behaviour is going to lead to what's coming next, and this is this period where
1: um, just before you get into yeah. the next period. I've I have, there's two really good stories here, or one really good story, but a way to tell if a business is in payback is stroll down into their car park <laughs> and see, I can hear you laughing already and see what's shown up.
0: Yes, yes, it's a good call. It's a good point around what's going on in the car park because uh, I've seen I've seen that happen quite a lot over the years where the the cars get upgraded, the um, you know the suits get tailored. All of a sudden, they're not off the rack. There's there's a lot of material things that you do you do see in in those payback businesses, don't you?
1: Yeah, on that material side, I was working with a business and we're just looking broadly at the numbers, and there was a great screaming hole in the numbers, greater than two hundred thousand dollars. And that wasn't there last time I'd coached them, and a little bit of questioning revealed that the owner clearly was in payback because they'd gone and bought a glider <laughs> <laughs> in Germany yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing as well we we start you know you start you see all these things where people start shopping for stuff, but they actually have to fly first class to places to to do the shopping yeah yeah. Human nature, and, um, and let's not begrudge it, but it does have ramifications. No, it's,
1: it's great, you know. Um, we work with a lot of businesses, owner-operator businesses, Chris, and I love it when they're successful.
0: Oh well, they work and so they, hard. They do, but like we say, there, there are ramifications, and and the ramifications are in this very next patch of business, which is if we've looked at the startup phase and the growth phase, and the startup phase has that excitement and and franticness that typifies it. The growth phase has that um, good times and euphoria that that typifies it. The next phase is typified by uh, feelings of of frustration, frustration, stress, and disillusionment. So it's the polar opposite of what happened just before.
1: And why do you think that is?
0: Well, there's a few things that happen. So one of the things is that organisations, and if I use that example before of the person that, that said to me, I used to uh, aim to, to turn over a million dollars. That was our dream. Um, and now I need a million dollars just to keep the doors open. Immediately you see the stakes are higher. So that, that brings in a level of stress that things have to be right. And if you start making missteps or you take your eyes off the ball, like we've spoken about some of that payback behaviour in a business where the focus can wane, where we've hit a... A period in the business where we feel like we've kind of hit one of those early vision uh, elements that we aimed for, then it's almost like it's a bit aimless. It's a bit rudderless. After that, we haven't re- typically we haven't reset the vision, haven't invested in appropriate skills. Um, business is still getting busier, and there's still a lot more activity, but we may not have invested in the right things, and quite often unwittingly invested in the wrong things. And an example there is that when when we throw people at problems or when we feel like every time we sense there's an inefficiency or a need in the business that we actually um, fill that need by putting a new employee on or bringing in um, something that actually increases the overall capacity of our business. What happens is the business actually becomes immediately more inefficient before that efficiency beca- is able to, to kick in. So what happens, there's this big mix of of emotional um euphoria which which can lose it where we can lose our focus and that drives some wrong behavior so culturally we we might begin to slip combine that with business has already picked up its own momentum so we're actually still getting busier and then also then throw on top of that is that we may well have actually unwittingly chosen to become more inefficient by investing in the wrong things so instead of investing in a bunch of things that that help us become more efficient We've actually invested in things that actually have made us more inefficient by actually building a bigger uh, business that immediately, well, doesn't pay off immediately, but is a much longer churn to bring that return on investment. Mm -hmm. So examples are when we put on more staff, when we, uh, sometimes we acquire another business. So part of that euphoria in the previous period is that we will go, okay, well, now we're in acquisition mode. We're going to potentially buy up a competitor. Or it will buy up another um, list of of clients off another business. and all the time to- every time we make one of these decisions, we're actually gr- if you imagine your business is a cup and the water level is what you're turning over relative to to the capacity of that cup. every time we make a decision to put on more people and leverage more more staff in that way, we're actually building a much bigger cup every time. And and if, so a- if, if you tip your water level into that next cup or the next two cups, and they're much bigger than the one that came from, that water level, by comparison, actually starts maybe filling up a quarter of that cup. So the gap in the top of that cup, it represents how much inefficiency is actually in your current business model. Now you're paying for it because that's you've already paid for the cup. You know, you, that's the overhead you're, you're going to incur, but you haven't actually filled it yet. And, th- and that's what happens during this next period of the business. And, and when that happens one or two cycles in a row, the common story I get from business owners here is, we're turning over more money than we've ever turned over, and I just don't know where it's going. We're keeping mm. this in our pockets.
1: Uh, so we talked about brick walls, Chris. Um, now we're coming up to the second brick wall. Yes,
0: yes, exactly where I think we're heading.
1: Mentioning at this stage, we're either going to go into the brick. We're hitting the brick wall, or we're in it. If we go right back to the beginning at startup, um. Let's use an architectural firm, which I've worked with a few. Right at startup, they start a business because they love architecture. Now at this wall, they're not getting to do much architecture anymore. They're getting to—they've got hold of a tiger by the tail. They're running a business; it's complex. Whatever technical
0: skills they had back at the beginning are not serving them that well anymore. Yeah, yeah spot on. So, if you look at this this transition here, and and if I can uh, hark back to the mental gymnastics I was asking people to do earlier on, what you'll find is, and I've had this conversation with a client in the last forty eight hours where they're feeling a lot of pressure to throw people at problems. So uh, managers are coming to the to the senior management team with with issues, and every time the solution on their plate is we need more, we need more people. And so if you think about that twist and that that I mentioned earlier on, as we get further closer to what you're referring to as this second brick wall, it's out comes the twister mat again, and the leaders of the business it's a, try and put their hands and feet back on everything. So, all these things compound. You've got the, the business calling for more, the, the staff in the business calling for more people and more resources, yet the owners of the business are saying, Well, no, I'm going to get back involved in everything. And before you know it, there's just this operational. Uh, you know, cluster, mayhem. and it's mayhem, except that now the twister mat is four times as big as the one that you're on originally. So you can't even get your hands and feet on everything um, if you wanted to anyway. So this is where, where the business starts feeling like it's a little bit out of control. And what you refer to then is as the, I guess, the, the skills of the architect to get to this point um, aren't going to take it past this point. So yeah, you, I, I often refer, refer to this part is that technical skill will get you to this point, but non-technical skills are needed from now on. And this is
1: where our catch cry comes in that we use, you and I use so often, which is what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. In other words, what got you to this point, you're now either hitting the brick wall or in it, won't get you through the brick wall.
0: Yeah, just, to, just by doing a lot more of the same
1: won't change anything. Yeah. And to go back to architects, they're smart people. They're highly trained people, trained as much as a dentist. Yep. And there's, we work with a lot of really smart businesses, you know, urban planners, engineers, whatever. They're all smart people, and at this point, they're going, "Why can't I figure this out? I'm
0: smart. I just can't work this out." Yep. So it's it's one big one big word or one small word that begins with S, and it's just skills. Yeah. We we need to bring in a, a new bunch of skills, and and what I alluded to earlier on was. Usually the first part of that is really addressing um, uh, this whole clarity piece uh, up front with the the management team. The clarity piece is where are we going now? So if you imagine that payback period sits right in the middle of this um, diagram and that payback period is, is often the attainment of the original vision from day one. It needs to be reset. What's the new vision? Are we clear on our purpose? Do we do we have a culture? Is the culture that we have going to take us further, or do we have to let go of a bunch of stuff and introduce a bunch of new stuff in terms of behaviours and and people and the way that we match um, our people in the business? Uh, so there's this there's this big piece here of it's almost like a reset period.
1: It is like a reset. It is totally a reset. Um, and you and I often use the three C's to get businesses through this big wall, which is clarity, which you've just described as vision, control, which is how do you run the business and who does what, and confidence to run the business because I have found that often business owners at this stage, it's confidence starts to slip. What do I do as a leader? I've, I've been a leader, an architect. Now I'm leading a whole bunch of humans in my business. How do I do this? Because in reality, no one's ever taught them how to be a leader.
0: No, and, and it's not a uh, finite um, science either. It's not, it's not it isn't a, a discrete science. It, it's, it's actually something you can learn along the way and different leadership skills will will um, apply in different situations as well. So, um, you know, that, that clarity, confidence and control you speak of, the, the clarity is, is, is the reset and, and, you know, setting of that new purpose and vision and culture. The confidence is investing in the right types of skills in your team. Now, if, you, if your team aren't necessarily the ones to be upskilled, then it's bringing in new skills into your business. And then the um, control is all those internal mechanisms of
1: yeah, who does do
0: what. Do, how do we need to do these things now?
1: I often refer to that control as uh, really how's the functionality of the business going? Are the right people doing the right roles? Because if you're going to set reset a vision, you might have to recast really
0: some roles. That always comes into question at this point.
1: Um, would it be fair to say that this second brick wall that business has hit, and they hit it, don't they?
0: Everyone, everyone hits it. And this is the point that I was trying to make before: is that it, it, it doesn't matter how many times I've drawn or explained or 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 just uh, you know told stories about this cycle or these uh, stages or or these cycles for business. Um, the the thing that I always say over the top of all that is, and you can't avoid it. Yeah. can Go through these phases: some longer, some shorter. You can minimise
1: it by yep. behaving differently in payback. You can minimise it, but you will go through it. Would it also be fair to say that the second brick wall is pretty ugly? Can be uh, pretty, uh,
0: yeah, we, we, we often uh, use the term that especially the business owners will become disillusioned. Yeah. And it's when a- they stay in that period of disillusionment for an extended period of time and <laughs> in a way allow everyone else to join them in their disillusionment. Um then then the whole business can start feeling really ugly. So you'll, you'll notice some of the things like increased attrition rate for staff, uh, you'll notice a lot more um, sick days, you'll notice a lot more people just feeling generally unhappy, there'll be uh, some more of these cultural incidents in your business, there might be some HR issues. There, there'll be all these things when people just aren't feeling happy at work.
1: I did work with an accounting firm where all the three directors were in the second brick wall and I described it to someone as you'd walk into their reception, or I would walk into their reception, and it felt like someone dropped a
0: fridge on me. Yeah, it's amazing, it's, isn't it?
1: Oh, it was just—you could
0: tell it
1: stuck out like crazy. Um, so I, I might—I think it's worthwhile doing a quick recap here. We've started at startup. Yep. First brick wall—you need to invest money. You then go into a really lovely growth phase where things look like they're working. There's lots of air in the business. Yes. You then have payback. And that can take a number of different forms. It can be soft. It can be hard. You can walk into the car park of a business and see expensive European cars. It can be all sorts of things. And the end of that is brutal, and it can just slip into, oh, I'm now not happy. Yeah. I've got a tiger by the tail. And then you as come up I to the second. Won't. Yeah, as if overnight. And then you move up to the second brick wall where your technical skills were. Whatever they might be will not help you get through that second brick wall on their own. No. So you pop out of the second brick wall mostly. Would it be fair to say, Chris, I think, at least I'll talk for me, I think I've coached more businesses that are either approaching that second brick wall or in it than in any other place.
0: Yeah, and, and that, that just stands to logic really because that's when most businesses will cry for help. Yeah, perfectly true. In the second brick wall, what I often refer to in there is is a research phase. So after yes. people sit with this disillusionment and this high stress and and just this feeling of that whether that they're not feeling that good about their leadership or that they've they're failing or or whatever it is, um, it, they'll typically kick into a different gear and say, okay, well, I can either accept this and this is my new future, <laughs> or I can actually start looking at some possible solutions. And then so there'll be a research phase, and usually someone mentions maybe get get someone in to help you or start attending some seminars or or whatever. So that, that's when you typically find most people will, will come to people like you or I, say, hey, I need some help. H- how do you do it?
1: So you've, um, they're popping out of the second brick wall now and there's a couple, as you said earlier, there's a couple of areas that a business can go. One is advanced growth. Mm-hmm. One is plateau so that they just don't do anything and one is decline. Um, well, I think it'd be it's worth noting here that businesses that do go to into plateau usually go into decline because it's very hard to plateau a business
0: unless you have a business model that really allows you to very very clearly limit your capacity and say and and then you're content with it um, I, I only want to work with X amount of businesses or I only want to produce x amount of uh, product and once that's sold, I'm happy uh, for that to sell. And and I can tinker with my margins here and there, but that's kind of where I see my future. That that, that could be a plateau business model.
1: Yeah, that could but, be a plateau business model. Beautifully but, described.
0: But typically, um, what will happen is that uh, if if you still harbour your your desire and your you've hung on to your business model from the past, a choice to not really grow uh, is essentially a choice to decline. And you'll yes. find energetically the business starts winding down anyway. So okay. it's very I'm, look hand on heart. I have, I've never come across a business that says, okay, I'm disillusioned, I need your help, and I only want your help to reach this, this uh, ceiling of business. <laughs> they all say, um, I, I want to become an advanced growth business or, or help me wind this thing up. I have come
1: across not a business that wants to plateau, but I've come across a CEO that went, I want a lot less involvement in my business. I don't have the energy to invest it anymore. I still want to be involved with it, but I want to do a lot less. And in that instance, it was simply a case of finding someone else to become the CEO. They wound their work days back to a 60% work week and were perfectly happy.
0: And, that, and that's um, usually a, a succession play anyway for the business to advance. And that should have happened back earlier anyhow. So
1: it's we worth have noting come out.
0: This little period here where we're talking about popping out of the second brick wall, one is that we're kind of glossing over it relatively quickly that, how how long this can actually take Because this is the longest time of the coaching phase in a business when you're trying to energetically help the business turn itself around. Um, If you've met
1: them and you haven't coached them and they are in the second brick wall, it can be a long time that they've been in the second brick wall prior to you meeting them.
0: Yes. Yeah, good point.
1: Like two years or more. Yep. There's eagerness to move out of the second brick wall. It takes some heavy lifting.
0: Absolutely, heavy lifting. Because I men with all of that goes some self awareness. We touched on it on a previous podcast, where where the owner's role might change, where they might not be the best person to take the business forward, um, where succession could come into play, uh, where a lot of home truths come into play, where resetting expectations come into play. It it is a very um, applied uh, process. To, to grab a business in the second brick wall and get them to pop out of the second brick wall. The silver lining is once they do and once you experience that energy shift of a business owner or a leadership team or, or just an entire business that felt depths of the despair last year and, and then this year they're, they're almost walking on air again, It is astronomical because then that actually provides the basis for what happens after that.
1: Yeah, that provides the springboard for what happens after that. And there's two things there. One, as a coach, it is the most fulfilling feeling. You get them out of that second brick wall. It is just sensational. The other one is if you talk to a business owner's wife and they're out of the second brick wall. Or just Or husband. Yeah, good point. (laughs) Well, considering I've probably worked with more women. I know. You've worked with way more than me. It's a really valid point. Let's just say their spouse, yes. to be accurate. If you talk to their spouse after they've popped out of the second brick wall, they just go, I don't know what's happened here, but the person I live with and married to or whatever, it's like the person I was with ages ago and they went through this dark period and it was really horrible and now it's fantastic. Yeah, I've got my husband back or I've got my wife back. I've got my husband back or my wife back. That's exactly what you hear. Yeah. All that says is that what's happening in the workplace is being dragged into home. Because it is an emotional state.
0: Well, not only that is—it's what you refer to quite often when you say we are work. We we generally work exclusively with owner-operated businesses. There is there is no delineation between business and life. None. And so so whatever happens through these business cycles. Yeah. is absolutely mirrored in what's happening in their in their personal life and their personal relationships and communication at home and communication with their friends. And it's very, very hard to draw um, discrete boundaries around these things in their lives. Well, it's so,
1: almost impossible to draw discrete boundaries. Oh, I don't think it, I've met one you.
0: person that has. Um, sometimes, I don't
1: know if you've done this, but let's say you're about to work with a business and you've, kind of got the idea there in the second brick wall and you do a fact find I have talked to the business owners spouse not every time occasionally and when you do that you go oh, there's no doubt in my mind where this business is now
0: you, you can pick it up just from speaking to other people yes yeah so what um, happens is so to, to, to move this forward we, yes. we haven't chosen to plateau we haven't chosen to decline typically what happens is most businesses will get to this point and they'll say yes we we want this business to look like we're in control again, and that is what we I call think. Advanced it's, growth period, yeah, and that I think advanced it's growth, growth. Yeah, go on.
1: Saying here, the point you mentioned before is that they've reset their vision,
0: and it gives them it gives them some context to say, when we reset the vision, we now understand all the work we need to do to get from where we are today to there. And you can map that out for them, or you map it out together, and you say, okay, how do we how do we attack this in bite-sized chunks? Because part of this thing that that leads to a lot of distress and disillusionment is that all these thought bubbles are typically in the leadership's head, especially the people that own the business. That there's if there's you know a hundred things that you could um, solve on any given day in a business, and and yeah, so all that content is swimming around. In the head of the owners when we get to this advanced growth phase what I like to do is compartmentalize that content into uh, punchier highly focused um, projects if you like that get them from where they are today to to really feel like they're on the path to achieving their vision
1: and it's um before this they'll attack everything at once yes or Or not not at all
0: all. and that's that's not at all
1: yeah that which is way more destructive and now you can prioritise, it becomes an action plan. You can do what to do now, what to do in three months, what to do in six months and so on and so on and who to do it.
0: In itself, brings some headspace and peace of mind for, for leaders. So just, just even having a plan mapped out where someone else comes in and, and says, okay, I hear everything you're saying, I hear where you want to get to, um, this is what you need to do to attack it. All of a sudden, th- th- you get the spring in the step again. You do, and I think it's worth mentioning here too that
1: when we're coaching businesses and they roll out what they want to do, you sometimes have to say, okay, nothing too heroic here. Let's just keep it realistic.
0: Yeah. yeah, I do get a bit heroic sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Got to temper a little bit of that enthusiasm, curb your enthusiasm, as Larry David might say.
1: I think it's one thing really worth noting is there's always another brick wall. Yes. Even though you just got through this monster brick wall, there'll be others, but now you have really heightened awareness and they'll be much, 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 much smaller and you've got more skills and you'll get through them much quicker and
0: without as much pain. Yeah, the, the key thing there is to remember that um, when you get to that point, that inflection point in, in your uh, business's life cycle where you move from purely... Building the business off the back of technical skills, to then introducing a bunch of the non-technical skills on how to how to manage a business. Um, those skills will stay in the business for life. So, like you, like you say, there is that you might need to tweak it a bit. You might need to invest in a little bit more, but down the track, it doesn't. It, it's not as monumental an effort to navigate brick walls as they come up in the future as what this one is. Perfectly articulated.
1: Do you feel that there's anything that needs mentioning
0: here? Mate, you know as much as I do that that we could have five or six uh, podcasts on this one topic alone. And in my view, it's everything in business. If you understand the application of how to not only set the expectations of what you're going to experience emotionally and commercially through business, I always say to organisations is, don't just hark on the point you are today and say, oh, everything I've experienced in the past is true. I always say, well, then if everything, you've, if I've drawn a picture and I don't know you and I've basically um, given your life back to you chapter and verse in, through the, through the um, medium of a drawing or a story, would you trust that I might know what's going to happen from here? And often they'll actually go, you know what, you raise a good point. So I think the thing is that too often get caught up all the stuff that happened in their past without understanding that these good things are still happening in the future or some tough times are, are going to come ahead for us. But they never last. They never last if you do something about them.
1: Yeah, and the key there is do something about them. I think broadly we have covered what we call the stages model. Um, as you said, it's an enormously powerful tool, this, and we could do, and we will do, I imagine, one or two more podcasts on this because it's... Um, I ha- I truly believe that this is the thing that helps business owner operators change their business change their life.
0: I think it'd be really good if we could grab um, someone that we've worked with that's gone through all the all the phases. I and, think that's a and, and do a do a chat with them.
1: Yes, I think we 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 will do that. Excellent. Awesome. Um, I think also one last thing for business owner operators, anyone who might be listening to this podcast, please remember What got you here, won't get you there.